to the Mother Loving Future Show, hosted by Amber Lestrange and Jenna Penrose, two mothers and detectives dedicated to fully embodying a new paradigm of conscious parenting, deeper relationships, healing ourselves into radiant health, and epic answers to age-old enigmas. Get ready to get your mind blown. Because this week's episode starts in three, two, one. Welcome to the Mother Loving Future Show, everyone. Hi, thank you so much for joining us. It's Amber here, and I'm with the beautiful Jenna. Want to say hi? Hello. Hello. (laughs) So mysterious. Hello. (laughs) And we are with our guest, Annalise Wells. Hi, Annalise. Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. So excited. Oh, we are so excited to pick your brain. And Annalise is stepping us through her ideas of how simple choices each day can accumulate to making massive positive differences in the world. This topic is titled Everyday Activism, and we are inviting you into this concept because you know our theory, collective consciousness is the way to create a new paradigm, a better paradigm. Before we get even further into it, I'm so proud to announce that this episode's sponsor is one of my favorite clothing brands, Doen. Created for women by women, Doen is a collective of Los Angeles-based ladies artfully pumping out some of the most beautiful and wearable pieces for the everyday female. I want like everything they make. Me too. I have nearly everything they make. (laughs) More on this later, but for now, use our exclusive discount code LOVING, L-O-V-I-N-G, at checkout for 15% off your order at shopdoen.com. I know what I'm going to be doing after this episode. Me too. (laughs) Jenna, would you like to tell our audience a little bit about Annalise? Absolutely. So Annalise Wells is a health and wellness advocate with Beauty Counter. Annalise helps families make conscious and informed choices to lower their exposure to environmental toxins. So important. Um, She simplifies this process of transitioning to a healthier lifestyle, making it accessible and achievable for all. Um, Annalise is originally a New Englander, but she now calls Southern California home where she lives with her son, Ollie, and she considers herself an everyday activist and hopes to inspire others to do the same. Well done. You're doing a great job, Annalise. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Good job. And Jenna, I know you also have a definition up your sleeve for everyday activism, so we're all really homed in on the same page. Yes. So here's my stab at a definition for everyday activism. We vote with our dollars and we make choices that affect the planet many times each day. What habits do we have? Do these habits help or harm the environment? By changing our daily practices to reflect our intent to actively change the earth for the better and institute the new paradigm in our own homes, we can live as examples and with integrity. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love it. Music to my ears. Annalise, <laughs> is there anything you want to add to that definition? I thought that was spot on perfect. Yay. Yay. Thank you. All right. So great. Now it's time to pick your brain and get into the questions. Why don't we start with Annalise? Why do you think that this is an important concept for people to grasp? It's important because I think a lot of people feel helpless and hopeless right now, and they really don't know 
what to do. And that can sometimes turn into, you know, letting that um, feeling turn into not doing anything and just kind of resigning to the way things are. And then that leads to not living a super happy life. Um, I feel like especially right now, you know, we're facing some issues with our environment. We're facing some issues with our health. And I mean, you can go into, you know, all different sectors of life and there are things that need to change and they seem like such big problems and the everyday person doesn't really see how they can connect themselves to that problem, how they can make a change. Mm -hmm. And my point of view is that you can affect change in just what you're doing every day. Like you can make a difference. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. Mm -hmm. It feels like we're in a bit of uh, paralysis (laughs) just generally because it could be so overwhelming. I mean, as we all know, the media holds on to the negative news cycles and right now it all seems pretty intense. And you're right, people find it extremely uncomfortable and hard to do anything because they. I think the issue is people offer these dire circumstances and stories, but don't offer a solution and don't offer Mm -hmm. an invitation for that person to start um, trying on in their own lives. So that's why you're here today. Yes. And I, can I just also interject that I feel like there's a disconnect between the the doom and the gloom that we know is happening on the planet and then our own daily habits. Like an example might be, you might be absolutely horrified that there's a huge plastic trash mm-hmm. island floating out in the Indian Ocean, but then you don't connect that you drinking water out of a plastic bottle is contributing to that. You I know? totally agree. And there yeah. seems to be an element on education that's also important, as you said, I mean, there are a lot of people living out there that don't even realize that food and what they eat is connected to their health. And to you and I, that may sound insane, but a lot of people just don't have that connect and don't have that education. A lot of doctors don't have that. Yes. (laughs) That's kind of what I was like, you know, aiming up, but didn't want to say it outright, but I'm glad you did. (laughs) I'll say it. So that disconnect is very real. What do you think about that, Annalise? It is so real. And it's, and I, you know, even myself, I'll find myself, you know, forgetting and, you know, and grabbing a water bottle and, you know, um, you know, a plastic bottle or something. And, you know, it's, we're so used to doing things a certain way that um, it's just a matter of being exposed to something new. And in some parts of the country and in the world, you get that exposure um, more often or, you know, more readily. Um, and in other parts, you don't. So it's it's not so much that people don't want to make these changes. It's just that they're completely unaware of how they're connected to that problem, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think just, you know, having these kinds of conversations and um, getting that awareness more widespread is, you know, part of the, um, part of the solution. I, mm-hmm. I agree. And I just have to say, a, a, I want to share a personal story. I had the same disconnect with, uh, plastic and paper shopping bags. So something like shopping, food shopping, grocery shopping, we all do that. So I would go to Whole Foods and I would, I w- would forget to bring uh, my own bags 
for the shopping. And each time I went there, someone would ask me, did you bring your own bags? And I would see people with their own bags. And I initially, when I first started going to Whole Foods, I was like, oh, that's an option. That's a great option. That's such a smart idea. That saves plastic and paper and all of that. So I think that the fact that I got in the habit and association now of shopping, I bring my own shopping bags. I now have formed a habit where every time I leave the house to go shopping, I have five shopping bags in my car. And it's just that habitual association with what I can contribute to the shopping. So if we had, if the larger corporations who I think should be take some responsibility in how much waste and their kind of practices, whether they're supporting the earth in conscious practices or the opposite, should take some type of responsibility for initiating opportunities for the customer to um, have a level of activism. So the Whole Foods example is perfect. And at Whole Foods, they always say, thank you for bringing your bags Mm -hmm. when you bring them, you know, and you feel so good about that. Yeah, I totally agree. And if we had something like that in every segment of our life, so coffee shops, for example, for, for example, if each coffee shop said, did you bring your own cup? It would then create this subconscious association with the coffee shops of, oh yeah, I should bring my own cup. That's an option. That's, that actually is a smart choice. If every single person brought their own cup, which you invest $4 into a little glass takeout or, you know, takeaway glass container, imagine how that would add up to all the plastic that they save. That would be out there. Yeah, that would be huge. And, and one thing that you said, um, oh gosh, one thing was about the, you know, they said, thank you. And I think that is a huge piece to this is that we're not acknowledging what we're doing, you know, and I think that we need that positive reinforcement. Um, And I was kind of, I was thinking about this in my, you know, in my own life, how I have to be my own cheerleader. You know, I can't, I can't get down on myself for when I, you know, mess up and, and do something that I wish I hadn't done and and then end up being a, you know, a part of the problem. And instead I, I try and focus on celebrating when I remember to bring my bags, celebrating when I bring my cup or, you know, when I have an extra cup to share with a friend or whatever it is, like those little things, it creates this positive reinforcement. It creates those, you know, feel good feelings. And I'm more likely to repeat that habit again and again and again. Um, so I think that's an important piece as well as to really focus on those small victories that we have, um, and not get down on ourselves, you know, when we forget our bag or, or, you know, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great point. Positive reinforcement. It works the best, best type of psychological conditioning. It's true. You're really good at that, Jenna. And I also have to say, I love how you mentioned enrollment, community enrollment. So you have a friend with you and you have a spare cup for them or a spare bag for them. It's such a great way to spread the love and the the data, you know, the information that we can actually each day make a difference. And that's how the ripple effect starts by enrolling people with you on, on the mission. So what initiated your interest in this everyday activism concept? It really was when I um, started working with Beauty Counter. I mean, it's just so ingrained into our culture, and it's really what made it um, 
becomes something that I started thinking about every single day. You know, how am I um, really, you know, walking the walk? Um, I think that's what that's what really kicked it off for me as as something that I'm thinking about every day. Mm. I, mm-hmm. And I just have to say. I am a beauty counter fan. I have I use their concealer every day. And how I found them was I just Googled non-toxic uh, con- like ma- mindful makeup or whatever it may be. And beauty counter was, was one of the brands that came up. And I love it. It's It really does the job. But I know that they have gone through all of their products and really made sure that there's no harmful elements in there. So I, yeah, I love beauty counter. Thank you. And I don't, you know, um, I don't want to talk too much about them, but part of the reason why they make me think about my activities of daily living so much is because, you know, it's, you know, we have our, our never list of ingredients, but we also have a never list of um, our packaging. So, and, you know, when we choose to hold a conference, we try and choose a LEED certified building. We, you know, use uh, glass containers and, and boxed water instead of plastic. So we're, you know, it's like we are as a company incorporating those kinds of decisions into how we do business. And like you said before, like it, we are, we do need large corporations to kind of set the tone and make it easy for people to make better decisions. Um, but I think it was, you know, seeing the way that they are conducting business. It's like, well, if they can do it, I can do this too. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think it's important too to look for when you support a company, you know, financially, you're buying their products to, to expect a little bit more from them and don't just let them, um, you know, kind of say, oh, yes, it's natural, or yes, we are, you know, eco conscious, like, well, really, well, how, you know, like, really think about it more. I'm actually planning a trip to Tulum. And I'm in a bit of a pickle, because I didn't realize when I bought the ticket that Tulum is in a bit of a um, ecological crisis. Yes. Yeah. And it was just kind of like this, um, you know, spur of the moment, like, yeah, let's go. And then now I'm trying to figure out where to stay. And so, you know, I'm trying to make a choice based on, um, you know, my values. So, so sorry, can we just explain the details of what's actually going on in Tulum so people can relate to what yeah. we're talking about? Yes. So from what I've learned, and I'm just diving into this, you guys may know a little bit more, but in the city center, they are on the grid. So they do have power. But if you go outside of the city, everything is run on generators. Um, They don't have a good system for their wastewater. Their recycling is not set up. Um, There's um, trash just everywhere. They They don't have systems in place to deal with their waste. And they have so many people coming to visit and it's just all happened so quickly um, that they're just way behind in, in figuring out how to accommodate all the extra resources and waste management that needs to happen. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. I recently went to Tulum and could feel them busting out the seams. It felt like they developed too fast for them to actually yeah. handle. I could feel that. Mm-hmm. Uh oh! I'll pick your brain for some tips of how to how to navigate it. Then, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we all if we all initiated movement towards conscious activism, then I think that 
that would really make a difference. I, I like the concept as well that we can't exactly wait for the corporations to hand us a, a, a recyclable bag or mm-hmm. a glass takeout um, coffee mug that that is reusable. I think that we have to take the initiative to do that ourselves, whether the larger corporations or cities or workspaces are initiating and offering you and inviting to that place or not. So that's why I want to explore every area of everyday life with you. And I want to explore all of our concepts of what we're doing and how we're taking action in that area. So the audience at least has ideas to play with and ways for themselves to start to make some differences in the world. So should we do that? Should we go through just the basic kind of topics in our life and explore ways where we personally try to make a difference? I think that would be great. Yeah. All right. So let's start with the basic one, food. Mm -hmm. Annalise. Big one. Have you got some ideas? We we all have to eat. (laughs) (laughs) We do. Um, Yeah. So one um, company that I just got introduced to is Imperfect Produce. Have you heard of them? Yeah, I love them. They're awesome. Yeah. Um, So I just signed up for their CSA box and the concept behind Imperfect Produce, in case you don't know, is they take the surplus from uh, from farmers um, or they take the what they call ugly produce. So it will be the, you know, the apple that's oblong instead of round. It will be the carrot that's crooked or whatever it is that doesn't look, you know, totally Instagrammable. Um, So they take that and they. Um, put it into a box that you can customize. You can decide what you need that week, what you don't need, how big you want your box to be, and they deliver it to your door. Um, so that's something that I am I'm trying out right now um, just to see how much food waste I can avoid. Um, you know, how much can I contribute to all of this perfectly edible food from going into the landfill. Um, the United States, there's a, a statistic, but I don't know it. I haven't memorized it. Um, but we are huge food wasters. It is, it's, it's sickening the amount of food that we waste. And then when you compare that to the number of, of children and, and mm-hmm. families that need food, mm-hmm. we could feed those families with the amount of food that we waste. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I am, I'm trying right now um, with that particular um, food or CSA box. And then I do, I always joke, like I would be great in the, in the, I would have been great in the uh, great depression (laughs) because I will turn leftovers into something I will turn, you know, like I really want to use every last bit of what I've purchased. Um, so I'll, I don't care so much about the food looking a certain way or, you know, being balanced a certain way, I get dinner on the table and it may not be something that others would want to serve to guests, but it's healthy. It's delicious. And that's pretty much my criteria. (laughs) I love that. That's so creative. And I'd probably eat it if I was a guest at your house. Um, Can you give us like an example of like a, a, like a recipe that came about that way? I'm just, I'm just curious. Um, Okay. So for the past, like lunch and dinner, past two days, I had um, leftover lentils 
with some sweet potato, um, some kale that I picked from my garden, and then like an inch of bacon that I had sauteed up. Um, so that was just all kind of mixed together. And that was the meal. Mm, amazing. Um, it always tastes yeah. better a couple of days after it's been cooked as well. It's marinated in the love. Mm-hmm, that's right. Very resourceful. Good work. Yeah, I like that resourcefulness. Yeah. Any other points on your food, Annalise? I heard that you grow your own food. You just mentioned your kale. That's amazing. Yeah. That's a huge activism kind of step. Yeah, so so another step there is at my local farmer's market, there's a microgreens uh, distributor. And what he does is he's got his little pallet of the greens and with scissors, he cuts off the top, puts that in, in it to a container and sells it to the customer. Well, what's left over are the stems and the dirt that it's been growing in. He gives that away to people who are doing, um, you know, worm composting or, or anything else. So I take that home and I've used it to amend my garden. I'm trying out uh, vermiculture right now, which is, is the um, composting with the worms. I think I have like five worms so far. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, no. So I'm giving that a try, but I've, I've taken, you know, his excess soil home. And from that soil, I've had volunteer kale and kohlrabi and mustard greens just growing, you know, on their own, on their own accord. Um, so that was free for me to grow this food that I am now using in my own kitchen. And I have a lot of it. I'm sharing it with neighbors. I've been giving the, um, you know, the microgreen uh, dirt to neighbors so they can throw it in their backyard. And it's kind of like we're guerrilla gardening, just <laughs> throwing this stuff all around. And, you know, I live in Southern California, so I understand this is not something that everyone can do, but I can do it. So I am doing it. Um, so I also, that. Huh? It's so good. It's actually, I was just envisioning this cycle, this kind of like triple whammy cycle where you can compost all of your food waste, all of the fruits and vegetables into the compost. And then that compost is then helping global warming because that's sequestering Mm -hmm. all the carbon from the atmosphere. And then you're eating the food. So there's this beautiful harmonious cycle, which we should all be doing. And it also creates this connection to the land, connection to your food appreciation for what it takes to grow food. And it's, it's helping everyone. So it's brilliant. I think we should all do this if we can. Yeah. Yeah. If you can, it's, um, the other thing is if you can't, if you don't, you know, if you live in an apartment and you don't have access to, you know, a little bit of land, which it doesn't take much space to grow food. Um, you, you'd be surprised how much you can grow in a very small space, but I have a windowsill and when I am going to use celery, I chop off the bottom and I put that into a little bowl of water and regrow the celery. I do the same thing with lettuce, um, with my green onions, um, bok choy does really well that way. Um, Mm. So that's kind of a fun thing. And especially if you have kids, yeah, that's a, you know, fun activity that you can do with them as well. Or if you're juicing a lot of celery and you have a lot of celery um, exactly. bases around, you can just grow more celery to juice. Mm, yes. Love my celery <laughs> juice, killing that Epstein-Barr virus. It's all the rave right now. That's another topic though. <laughs> yeah. They were talking about it on NPR yesterday. Kind of interesting. What, EBV or celery yeah. juice? They're, they're talking about celery juice and the medical medium. Ooh-hoo-hoo. 
on NPR, but they were kind of calling him a quack. And but whatever, NPR. <laughs> whatever. They know nothing. I they I'm all something about, about it. something. <laughs> it's yeah. all about the resonance test. Um, that's amazing. And also what's so great about growing your own food is that you know what you're putting into your body. I am assuming you're not using pesticides and herbicides and all of that stuff. So it's, it's great to actually know that you're putting in medicine into your body and you can trust it. And it's just made with more love. It's digested Mm -hmm. easily. It's, you appreciate it more when you eat it. It's really, I think it's a really great project for people to take on if they can. Yeah. And, and I'd also like to say, you know, not everyone can do this, but I encourage people to, you know, connect with their community. And maybe there is somebody who maybe you have a neighbor who has some land that they're not using, you know, what can you what can you do with that? Um, There's a group called gleaners, it's like, uh, with a G. um, And they go and if there's excess um, produce, you know, excess citrus on trees or, or whatnot, they will go and collect that and distribute it to people who are, um, in need of food. So, you know, there are, yeah, there's some really great groups out there and there are ways that you can get to your goal and make things happen. But sometimes it does, you know, it, it takes you reaching out to your community and saying, okay, I can, I can bring this to the table. If you bring that, you know, you bring the land, I'll bring the seeds and a little bit of the, you know, get my hands in the dirt kind of thing. And then we all benefit from this gorgeous garden. Mm, Win-win situation. So good. Creating community while you're making a difference in the world. So great. And I love before you mentioned the farmer's markets, growing your own food at home as well means you're cooking at home more, which means less contribution to the waste of takeout and eating at restaurants and all of that. And I can imagine you save money at the same time. So that all sounds amazing. What about you, Jenna, on the food front? So, okay. So on the food front, I am, first of all, plant-based, which in my understanding actually does help the environment because um, you're getting all that energy right from plants. It's not needing to go up the food chain and get, you know, distributed that way or what's the word? Um, You know, as energy goes up the food chain, it diminishes. So you need more energy to feed a a cow than to just eat the grass. So um, there's that. I also... I try to be very conscious of waste. Um, my goal is my uh, my ultimate goal is to live a completely waste free existence, which I am very far away from right now. But I do have it in my mind. Um, so, like for example, like at Trader Joe's, I love Trader Joe's, uh, but I've noticed they really use a lot of packaging, a lot of packaging, mm-hmm. and a lot of unnecessary packaging. You know, so just really trying to vote with my dollars and use uh, my food choices when I'm shopping to make wise decisions, not just about the content of the food, but also the packaging. Another thing is maybe shopping when you're not super hungry, because when you're super hungry and you go to the to the store to buy food, you might make like more rash decisions. So if you're not hungry, you might be able to make more wise decisions when you're actually in the grocery store. Um also just really supporting organic, um, food. You know, I don't want it once again with voting with, for my, with my dollars. Like I don't want to vote for the non-organic produce. I really want to invest in those farmers that are, are doing it right. 
Um, so I think those are some of the ways. I also am moving more towards growing more food as well. Like going to be getting a new house here in a, in a little bit. And in that situation, we really want to grow and garden as much as possible up to eventually, hopefully being self-sustainably uh, fed on our land. Mm. That is the dream. That's the goal. That's the dream. And I just got to say, can we talk, talking about unnecessary waste, can we talk about why people wrap vegetables, singular vegetable in plastic? Why do they do that? Yeah. Like I go to Trader Joe's and there's a broccoli in a piece of plastic or an one orange in a piece of plastic. Why do they mm-hmm. do that? Or a cucumber, a cucumber in a piece of why? plastic. Why? Because people want perfection. I mean, Annalise, you probably have something to say about this, but it kind of goes back to your imperfect produce box. It's like people are so programmed that they want that Instagrammable perfect cucumber that they just can't, their their ego like cannot handle like a cucumber that anyone else has touched or that is scuffed up in any way. Oh my way. gosh, but... I mean, nature's perfect, whatever way it comes out. I kind of love the quirky, messed up, you know, hooked uh, carrots and zucchinis and whatever it may be. I like them. This they give some personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Well, both of you covered some really good points on the food. You covered all of my points as well. Have did 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 we totally. cover your points? Because I was just about to ask you. Do you have anything else to add about like the way you eat and how that? Would no, contribute? you guys covered absolutely everything, and I'm I do both of what you've been saying. Uh, the only thing I would add is you know on your note, Jenna, of supporting farmers who are doing practices the ethical way, which support more nutrients in the food, better soil health, which translates as better health for us, which is organic, biodynamic. The only other thing I would add to that is supporting local farmers from because the, mm-hmm. the produce is fresher. And if you go to your – supporting local farmers really means going to your farmer's markets on the weekend rather than supporting the larger chains. So where possible mm-hmm. each week I try to designate my shopping day to the local farmer's markets. And that way you get to know your farmers, you get to know their practices. A lot of the time they are organic but they're not willing to pay the insane FDA certificate prices to stamp their food as organic. And so they, but those type of people still need support because they're committed to a more ethical way of farming. So I would mm-hmm. say, yeah, go, go to your local farmers markets and support your local farmers, organic farmers. Mm-hmm. And Amber, I've seen you like find a meal on a tree, like more than <laughs> once, you know, just like when you had that big tree in your backyard, the last house you lived at, you would just go get breakfast outside on the tree. You would think nothing of like picking up some like fallen fruit off the ground and just eating it oh, for that's breakfast. That's the best you know? because I know that when a fruit is freshly picked, it's got it's the most vital with nutrients and vitamins. That's the best time to eat it when the ener- this energy from the sun has been beaming in it and it's still alive and connected to its life source, which is that branch. The second you pick it, you eat it to get that aliveness of the fruit, the enzymes, everything is alive. So, and that's also a great, you know, eating locally means that the fruit and vegetables have been off the shelves um, shorter, like they've they've been picked sooner, which is what you want. I I, I do it Mm -hmm. every week. I go to my orange tree and we pick oranges and make orange juice and have oranges for breakfast. 
I always like to have a fruit tree or two. I have a lemon tree as well where I pick my lemons and have that in absolutely everything all day. I think it's great. Also connects you to nature and just makes life and meals a fun adventure. <laughs> You've got to climb mm-hmm. for your meal. Um, Well, should we move on to the topic of parenting? How can we make mindful choices in our parenting uh, approaches to make a difference in the world? Great question. Annalise, do you want to have a stab at that one? Yeah. So I have a five and a half year old boy and... Mm. I have a five and a half year old boy too. Oh, let me get them together. Totally. <laughs> um, so we made a decision to not do um, mainstream TV. Um, we didn't do TV until two years old. And then then the choice was, okay, it can be KPBS or, you know, some select, uh, shows from, you know, from Netflix or whatever. Um, and the length of time, um, like, you know, just one show. And one thing in, in regards to consumerism and, and how that decision has helped us, he, he doesn't see commercials for toys. He doesn't ask for toys. He doesn't know about these other toys. So, you know, especially when the the holidays come around, there is no list for him to make of things that he wants because he doesn't, he hasn't been marketed to. He doesn't know that he should, you know, should want want those things. Um, So that's been huge. That's something that, you know, as he's gotten older and I've, I've seen what other families go through, you know, again, especially around holiday time and, or if they go into target and and kids that, you know, want these characters and, um, you know, specific items, we don't face that problem. So it's helped on a parenting side where there's not that battle of, no, you can't have that toy, or I already bought you a toy, or, you know, we don't have those kinds of conversations. Um, And then from a a consumer perspective, he hasn't been marketed to. So he's not a consumer, you know, yet um, in that way. Um, That's, that's one thing that's been really huge. I don't know if, if you guys have experience that in your lives. Um, yeah, I think my, my five and a half year old is, sounds like a little bit more of a consumer (laughs) than yours does sadly, but I, I like, I'm listening to your story, just thinking like, what a great, what a great decision, what a great position to be in, you know, because part, I think consumerism is such an important thing that we haven't even talked about. It's like this craze and addiction that has swept over, like all the humans on the planet. So to have be raising your son not in that consumer mindset is such a it is really the new paradigm. I totally so, agree. Nice and job. I have had Valentine, my four year old, well, four and a half year old, in a very liberal Montessori school. And all the parents who have their kids in that school are very like minded with that whole philosophy. And I've noticed I would say eight out of 10 birthdays we go to, there's a no present policy. And at first it was so foreign to me because I've never experienced a kid's birthday party where you don't bring a gift. And then when I started talking to the parents about it, it 
it was all of a sudden revealed to me what an incredible statement that is and context for celebration for children. It reframes their idea of celebration. It's not about what you're getting and how many things you get and how many toys you can get. It's about playing with your friends and being with your friends and family and great food and not just about consumerism because clearly at their age they're creating concepts and they're creating associations with everything for the rest of their life a lot of the time. So if we can support a space where we can have associations that are in alignment with activism And that's not just in consumerism. I try to create a space where I can educate Valentine to make informed decisions for himself around food, around social circumstances, around our connection to nature and the earth. I talk to him every opportunity I get. Well, we were at the gas station the other, um, the other week and we were talking about we've got an electric car and then we've got a gas car. And he was talking to me about, asking me about the difference. And then he was saying, what does gas do? And I said, well, it's better if we all have electric cars because gas is like the earth's blood. And I, I try to put it in words he can understand. And I said, we're taking the blood out of the earth to run these cars, which is hurting the earth, but we all could switch to electric cars. And just that visual and that concept leads him to then have that conversation with other people and other kids and awareness around what choices we're making. And he'll challenge me on it as well. And he'll go, well, why don't we have two electric cars? And then I have to face myself in, well, that means we can't do long trips and we drive to the farm a lot, but maybe we should just make that sacrifice and stand for the changes we want to see in the world. And yeah, you're right. So I think a lot of the time parenthood activation is inviting your children into these conversations around every facet in your life. We talk about why we buy organic and what organic is and what pesticides are and the long-term effect on the earth, on our health with that element. We'll talk about how to speak to people and that creates closeness or that creates separation and community is is an aspect which we all benefit from and we can nourish us and create big differences in the world through community so that's just kind of my take on parenthood is not leaving any stone unturned when it comes down to being an example for your children and inviting them into bigger concepts because they really get it and I now listen to Valentine when he thinks I'm not listening. (laughs) He has a very strong connection to the earth and to animals. And I'll never forget this one time that we saw this little um, pocket, this little cluster of mushrooms in our backyard. And we were looking at the mushrooms and looking at the, the ants crawling up it. And I pushed one over to see what was underneath, if there was colors or what was going on. And he absolutely freaked out and said, why, why did you kill one of the daddy mushrooms of that mushroom family? The earth is its home and you should never touch like innocent creatures and innocent plants. Why did you do that? He was crying. And I was thinking, yeah, what an innate, beautiful understanding of the interconnectedness between us and the earth and animals and insects. He won't touch an insect or touch an animal. And he knows that his job is to protect them. And he knows that 
they have a role in our ecosystem and to our health for the world and ourselves. So I think it's just really understanding that we are pruning the next generation of leaders. And if we want to see changes on a global scale, on an infrastructure scale in businesses and politically, environmentally, it's in our children we have to instill the concept of activism. And I think that we get opportunities all day to kind of open up that conversation. And now is the time when they're forming their their concepts that they're going to take through to adulthood. So that's just Mm -hmm. my little two cents. No, wonderful. Valentine, love that little guy. (laughs) Cutie. Do you guys have any other ideas on parenting before we move on to clothes? Well, I will just say a little bit about kind of what you said, which is that like my son and daughter, but more my son because he can talk and express himself more like he really feels that connection to the earth. Kind of like you know, what you were saying with Valentine, like he will like cry and just say, mommy, our, the earth is our big, big mama. The earth is our big, big mama. I never want to leave the earth. And just, um, they have that natural connection, you know, and sort of not standing in the way of that and, and just reinforcing it when they observe that. Because if they feel that they are the protectors of the earth and that we have this connection with this conscious planet that we're all living on, they are going to grow up to to want to mm, protect it. So important. And I just, mm-hmm. before we get too far into it, we're going to be moving on to clothes and social aspects of how we can create a difference. And speaking of supporting an upgrade of consciousness in the workspace, Doan is this episode's sponsor and they are a clothing brand for women owned by women who have intentionally set out to support women and their place in the usual male dominated and favored workspaces. One of the keys to loving yourself and feeling great in your body is an incredible outfit that you feel good in. And nobody can make that incredible outfit happen more easily than the clothing brand Doin, who is also our sponsor for today's episode. I actually kind of live in my Doan clothes because I honestly feel at the top of my game and very sparkly when I'm wearing their beautifully crafted, high quality pieces. What makes me even more excited is that Doan was founded by two sisters and longtime fashion industry veterans who knew firsthand that most clothing companies that are designing for women were in fact led by men. And so Doan makes clothes for women and by women that are exactly what women want. And out of lush materials like soft cottons, light silks, and gorgeous alpaca wool. Their direct-to-consumer model allows for these high-quality pieces at an approachable price without the wholesale markup. No wholesale markup means good quality, low price. Doan is offering 15% off your order with the code LOVING. L-O-V-I-N-G. Simply visit shopdoan.com and use that code at checkout to redeem your 15% discount. See you there. Well, really quickly, I'll say about clothes. I have been slowly, you know, compiling lists of companies, you know, like Doan who are trying to do uh, the right thing when it comes to their manufacturing practices and their labor. Um, So I'm, you know, kind of making lists so that when I want to buy something new, I can check them out first. I have been um, really um, 
focused on buying secondhand, buying pre-loved. Um, like right now, the jacket that I'm wearing, it's my neighbor's jacket that she, you know, she was doing a little yard sale. And for five bucks, I got a jacket. I've been wearing it nonstop. Um, over the summer, I've got a few dresses that I got secondhand that I wear on repeat. They're like my summer uniform. Um, and so that has been, that's also been really great, like positive reinforcement that I keep getting compliments on these items that, you know, I got secondhand. Sometimes I'm five foot, uh, hardly anything. So a lot of times, you know, I do have to bring clothes in to get altered, but I'll go ahead and pick up the medium, take in the sides and, you know, and then just keep rocking that dress and give that dress a, you know, a, a second, third, fourth life, who knows? Um, so that's been something that's been really fun for me to explore in terms of, you know, my decisions on, you know, what, um, what clothing brands I'm supporting and that sort of thing. And then for my kid too, my, for my, for Ollie, I started out buying secondhand for him. I was like, there is no way I'm going to spend $40 on a t-shirt that he's going to put paint on within the first five minutes of him wearing it. Mm. Um, so I've been buying secondhand for him for, for a while. Um, and I'm really lucky that I have, you know, a community of, of parents and we exchange clothes, um, and, you know, kind of help each other out in that way. Um, with beauty, um, you know, Beauty Counter is the leader of the clean beauty movement, and there is no other company that is doing the kind of work that we're doing. Um, you won't find, um, I don't think there is another company right now that, you know, actually is holding meetings with government officials and, um, you know, holding phone-a-thons and, and that sort of thing. So, um, I don't, Again, you know, we were talking before about that awareness and people just aren't aware um, that the products that they're using on a daily basis. I mean, you some people wash their face twice a day. They may take two showers. You know, I mean, we're we're using a lot of product um, on a daily basis and they're just not aware of how it's affecting their environment or their um, their own personal environment, you know, their own bodies. Um, so, you know, for me, it's just about getting that awareness out there, um, and then asking people, you know, just change one thing, <laughs> just make a decision to change just, just your face wash. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's it. So, <laughs> so what should people there. be looking out for? What are some keywords? Obviously non-toxic is important, but what about plastic? Are we looking for recycled plastic containers in, in beauty labels. So what are some things that our audience can be looking out for? That's a hard one because there isn't much regulation on the industry. So, um, non-toxic, I forget that it's like that only a certain number of animals died in the study. That's how you get the non-toxic label. Um, organic doesn't really apply to beauty products. Natural doesn't apply. Um, so you're looking for, you know, how the company is, is conducting their business and then ingredients like fragrance, stay away from all fragrance, perfume. Um, you want to stay away from, um, you know, any parabens, anything that, you know, like methyl paraben. Um, you want to look for, I want to say less ingredients is better, but sometimes they could be using a lot of plant, you know, truly plant based ingredients and they'll have a lot of them in there. So that's not always an indication of how, you know, clean the product is. Um, 
retinols, you want to stay away from retinols. And then the, um, the two specific, there are more sunscreen, sunscreen ingredients to look out for, but oxybenzone and um, octanosate, those are two to avoid in your sunscreen. Um, that's why choosing a company like Beauty Counter is a great choice because Beauty Counter has made the commitment to not put anything in there that's going to be potentially harmful for your health. So you don't have to go down this rabbit hole of ingredient searching um, and, you know, spending all that time in the aisle comparing the labels. Um, Do you guys use the Healthy Living app from the Environmental Working Group? No, tell us Um, about it. Yes. Everyone, please download this app. It is by the Environmental Working Group, EWG to be short. It is called Healthy Living. It actually has a barcode scanner function. So if you are, you know, at the aisle, the, you know, Sephora, wherever you are, you can scan the barcode and it'll bring up a list of one to 10 level of toxicity, one being the least toxic, 10 being the most toxic. It'll break down all the ingredients that are in that product and then give you an overall score. Um, Yeah, it's a really helpful tool. One caveat is that it's based on what the manufacturer has reported is in there. Um, You know, so they're going off of what's been identified as an ingredient. Um, But it does, it really helps to take the, you know, the researching out of your products. You can just do a quick scan. And I'm sure they have that in food as well, because it's the same idea in food. If you're going to get packaged food, there are so many ingredients which are toxic and which may not be contributing to the environment's health either. Um, but brilliant that someone's come up with an ad to support people making an easy decision. Um, Annalise, I wanted to ask you just talking about beauty and talking about packaging issues. Do you think glass or plastic is a more supportive choice? It's that's a hard one because the glass, it um, is harder to transport. So unless you're actually physically picking it up, you know, like from your neighbor, it has to get shipped to you and, um, And so that just makes it a little bit, um, you know, a little bit harder to do. Um, I know that with Beauty Counter, we have chosen specific plastics, which are, um, they don't leach like other plastics do. Um, So I know that we've made that decision to, to use plastics in that way, because it's been hard to find another option that keeps us in a position to ship all over the U S and Canada and, you know, and still make it affordable for people. So that is something that we are continually working on. We're actually working on, um, getting larger sizes, like refillable containers, Mm. um, so people can, can buy in bulk. Um, you know, us personally, we're six years old, so we still are, you know, kind of trial and error trying to figure out how to get to that I can imagine recycled plastic of, um, is is the next way around. If you need to use plastic, then you shouldn't be continually contributing to the pile of plastic out there in the ocean that Jenna mentioned. You should be just yeah. re- be recycling the plastic that's already out there. Is that an option? Well, one issue with that is then you're mixing the different plastics and then, you know, plastics have different, like I said, we're trying to use the plastics that don't mm-hmm. leach as readily or, as others. So when you have this hodgepodge of plastics, you can't control which plastic chemicals you're being exposed to. Yeah, it's cleaner Mm -hmm. to just be specific. 
Mm-hmm. It's so yeah. Well, the other option is to make your own beauty products, which I know Jenna is a master at. You were just telling me yesterday how you had concocted mm-hmm. some amazing magic potion for yourself and me. Jenna, mm-hmm. do, you, do you want to give us our thoughts? Yes. Your thoughts on creating your own beauty products to just skip out on the whole plastic and toxic um, consumerism bus. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, I make my own beauty products and some of the time, not my own shampoo or conditioner, but I really love it because it has that increased love factor. You really know what's going into it. So you have very good quality control. Um, However, I did notice because I just made this batch of, of face oils that there was a lot of waste that went into it because you're buying the the bottles of all the different ingredients and then you're combining them together into, I combine them into like amber glass jars, but those amber glass jars had to be shipped to me in like bubble wrap and like boxes. And then I, I did throw away all the little bottles. So I do love making my own beauty products, but I don't know if in this conversation, it, it, it might create a lot of waste. I'm not sure about that. Well, at least you're attempting it. And once again, it's the same philosophy of growing your own food and making your own meals at home. You know where it's coming from. You skip out the middleman mm-hmm. and you can you can refill mm-hmm. it as well. So it's not like you're constantly mm-hmm. churning out plastic and glass. May as well try it. Do you have like a super easy recipe that our audience could get stuck into? I can imagine toner would be easy or a scrub. Um, um, yeah. I mean, for a scrub, you could just, uh, well, I mean, I would, I, I would like to do Epsom salt for scrubs, you know, because Epsom salt is so, uh, so purifying and then add essential oils and maybe avocado oil, two oils that I know are really good for the skin, for your face, even if you're prone to breakouts or anything like that would be a uh, rose hip oil and, um, jojoba. So I usually like to make oil like face creams and oils, um, with half jojoba, half rose hip base, and then adding different essential oils or other oils like moringa oil or vitamin C um, oils on top of that. So I think jojoba and mm-hmm. rosehip are a good Beautiful. Base. I'm really into avocado oil as well right now. Wow. So many things we can do. It's just a matter of having these conversations and exploring options and breaking through that initial, oh, it's too hard. It's easier. I'm a working mom. It's easier to just outsource that. Sometimes once we break through that and see it's kind of easy and fun, we can then create a new habit. As we said, we are getting really close Mm -hmm. to wrapping up girls. And I really want to touch upon, um, two things, uh, partnership and environment. So obviously partnership is not an obvious activism (laughs) element, but I think that looking at the concept of global change in consciousness and how that is the key element to be awake to what is going on in the world and to make a positive difference by being the change. I think that partnership is a good area of our life that we can start to represent more of a a divine union, a, a conscious place to do life together, to evolve, to as a household agree on certain sy- systems that support the health of the family and the earth. So I think that's an important one. What do you think, Jenna? Well, oh, I was going to say, how does that play out in your house? Because I know you guys have a really cute and socially active <laughs> household. So uh, tell us about well, that. <laughs> um, I guess the basis of activism within within our relationship is a fundamental 
ways of being with each other. So that would be rooted in authenticity, conscious communication, transparency, support, autonomy. So some basic ways of being that we have established as the context of our relationship. And then as a unit, we like to stand for things like, you know, my husband has rest organic vegan restaurants. So a lot of the time we're in these systems and worlds where together we can support a bigger cause out in the world and invite people into that space. So together we're hatching up plans of ways to enroll community into um, activism that doesn't seem scary. It's just like sharing a meal, but the meal is a thoughtful meal that's in support of the environment and our health, things like that. And also just Mm -hmm. in our own, we're on the same page about sustainable living. So in our own home, we're keeping each other in alignment with our bigger goal, which is healthy air, healthy water, supporting companies that are making a difference, reusable things, you know, like I'll make sure that each day he takes his reusable cup to the coffee shop on his way to work. I'll try pack him lunch, you know, just having that space where as a team, we can represent a a new way of doing things that's easy and fun. And that's all rooted in having a joint mission and having a context within your relationship. And then that way you're also teaching your community and your kids and you're enrolling them in it. I I love what you just said around having a mission uh, for your marriage or for your partnership, because what I loved about that is just the concept of being on um, a mission together. Like you're, you're uh, what am I trying to say? It's like you're using your marriage to, f- to forward all these concepts and to hold yourself to your best selves and to um, really use that partnership to affect positive change. And I love that that's a conscious part of, mm-hmm. of we, your marriage. As we got, the day we got engaged, we were walking down the hill from where he proposed to me and we had the conversation of what is the context of our marriage going to look like? It doesn't seem to make sense <laughs> to just go through the motions and now we're going to get married so we can have a baby and it be, you know, just part of life. Like, no, why, what's the difference of being single and then being committed? And within that conversation, we designed the context of our marriage, which was exactly what we're talking about together as a unit. We can hold each other up, we can evolve, and we can represent, hopefully, a more inspiring, healthier, sustainable way to do love, life, and everything. So that's that's the mission. I mean, it's not all roses. <laughs> Just want to be transparent there. It's, it's a lot of work, but having a context means that when you check out and fall asleep to the mission, you've got that other person there as a mirror saying, hey, remember the pact, remember what we're committed to, and that's not in support of that. So we're, we're there to hold each other up because we're clear on the context of our, of our relationship. That is so huge. I, I just have to say, like, you know, this idea of conscious parenting and, you know, conscious coupling, like so many people just go through the motions. And yes, what you're doing is is more work. It's more effort. But 
you're going to have that much more enjoyment in your life and in your marriage and in your relationship, you know, with your, with your partner, with your family, with your, with your children, um, because you are putting in that effort and not just going along with what you, you know, what society tells you is the right next step or, you know, what you should be doing, just that kind of, yeah, going with emotions. It doesn't exist in your relationships and, and that makes the relationship that much more mm-hmm. enjoyable. Thank and I love you. And that. it's also fun having a purpose, having a clear intention and purpose. It's an adventure and it's, it's, it's incredible how we are conditioned to just go through the motions with everything, with love, with work, with, with health, with parenthood, with everything. And I love encouraging people to understand that you can design your life in an intentional way. You don't have to inherit your life and how you do relationship and work and all those aspects from society, from your parents, from the media, from your fa- your friends and family, how they're doing it. You can invent the way you want marriage to look or career to look or whatever it may be. And it's so empowering to know that we have the capacity to create a context for each of those elements of our life that's in alignment with what you truly want to create in the world. So it's just giving ourselves permission really to recreate it. Um, Before we wrap up, let's just quickly touch on environment because I'm an absolute nature junkie. I'm constantly out. It's my medicine. I need to be on the beach. I need to be in the bush. I need to be in that environment to just be grounded and connected to the earth. Something I do is I, every time I go to the beach, I am grabbing every single little bit of trash and every single little bit of glass or plastic or anything I see as just as habitual relationship to contributing to the environment in such a little way. Um, is there anything you guys do to, um, reframe your connection to your environment, which is an, an, a step towards activism? Um, yeah, we do kind of the same where, yeah, we will pick up trash. I, you know, I've, there have been some times where, you know, we're on the beach and my son's running after trash bare hand. I'm kind of like, you know, like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, go ahead. Let's get that. <laughs> and, you know, he, and he'll put it in the trash bin. Um, I actually just, I have done a few uh, beach cleanups as a volunteer. And this year I decided to go ahead and be a leader. Um, And I am also on the green committee for my son's PTO um, at his school. So I'm going to be helping out with that at his school and kind of trying to engage the school into participating in the beach cleanup. Um, And so that for me, it's kind of... um, weaving in, you know, community and environmentalism, you know, and, and that everyday activism kind of feeling where, Hey, let's, let's do something for our community. Um, you know, that's fun. And that, you know, brings about a a social element to it as well. Um, I am not good about the car. I will say that. (laughs) Um, I am, I would love to live someplace where I could just walk everywhere, but I don't. Um, so that's one that I have to, you know, I want to bring up this, I, you, you have to do what you can, where you can, you know, um, and, and just kind of keep moving on. Um, 
but what else for the environment? Yeah, I think, you know, we touched upon, you know, my, my beauty products, our, our food, um, you know, this trip to Tulum, trying to, to craft this, you know, make choices that are going to be the, the least impactful on the environment. Um, those are just, you know, some small examples of things that are easy to do. Um, once you have that awareness, Annalise, planted in your how brain. would you suggest people get involved in bigger activism causes like saving the oceans, saving the animals, the forests, the children. And, you know, that list obviously goes on because a lot of the time what get, what gets in my way of I signed up to Greenpeace and was on their monthly payments and then my husband got all paranoid that only 20% of the money we give them actually goes to the cause and there's no way to track it and exactly totally, so or not even my suspicions of the human ego and greed and and being out of integrity gets in the way of trusting these larger um, groups that have these causes um how would what would you say to that and on our ending note, how would you encourage people to get part of bigger activism groups that are going for, you know, the big boys? Yeah. Um, well, I'm always going to encourage that, you know, again, this like idea of the everyday, just really focus in hard on um, those small um, habits, you know, those small daily activity um, acts. But here in San Diego, there's a, a small company. It's called I Love a Clean San Diego. And so that's the the organization that I'm working with to do the beach cleanup. Um, I think that you can do, you know, a little bit of research to just see, okay, how much, if I do want to donate, how much is going to be, you know, given to the actual cause, how much are they using for administration? And, and if you don't feel like that's a, a good breakdown, maybe sending an email, say, Hey, I would, I wouldn't, um, donate, but this is why I'm not. Um, I think that you can just gather your neighborhood and say, Hey, let's go do this project. You know, I see that this area needs cleaning up. Let's gather together and and take a Saturday and do that. And then we'll have a picnic afterwards. Um, so I think you can do things without attaching yourself to a larger organization that's still going to make a really big impact, especially locally. Um, but then on a larger scale, just finding those organizations that meet your specific criteria, because everyone's going to have their own, you know, their own different, uh, their own benchmark. Um, I think that's, that would be my suggestion is just kind of doing a little bit of research and and then deciding, okay, Beautiful. yes, I'll, I'll invest that. here. Jenna, is there anything you want to add before I wrap us up for today and offer an invitation to our audience? I, I, the only thing I wanted to, I would say about, cause you know, you asked that question about like the big activism and Greenpeace and is that going, is those dollars going to those causes? I feel like it's so much more effective to live as an everyday activist rather than like give money to like a, a, a place like that. You know, it's just more effective. It's, it's directly effective. You know, there's no question about if you're being effective or not. So. 
and there's just a lot putting my vote and, like, the manpower, like yeah, actually like it, going and doing it yourself rather than giving money and not knowing where that money is ending up, being a part yeah. of it. I know that there yeah. are some groups that say, oh, we're going to go clean up the beach. You are literally going there and you're knowing that you're making a difference by physically putting manpower and mm-hmm. energy into contributing to a better environment. So and karma is real, you know, you're going to get really, or I don't know if karma is sometimes described as only bad, but like what goes around comes around. If you give to the earth, you will receive abundance from the earth. You know, it's just, it feels so good to, to do that. Yeah. And, and like I said too, it's like you have that, again, that positive reinforcement of you just did something that directly impacts your hyper local neighborhood and you connected with your neighbors. Um, you know, that's just such a feel good feeling. And, and it's, you know, what else were you going to do in those three hours? You know, like it's, Mm -hmm. um, you're more likely to repeat that action because you are reaping the benefits. Your neighbors are reaping the benefits. And, um, I think, that repeat action is going to have a more widespread, longer impact than making a donation or doing a march, you know, where those are, are helpful, but on the long, the long haul, it's just focusing Which super little and super point. small to use this mm-hmm. as a segue to our invitation for this episode, which is I would love to invite our audience to think of your daily routine and think about what are some simple things you can do each day that will make a positive difference to the earth, to the humanity, to your family in the long run. And we went through so many ideas and personal stories. So Pick some that light you up and try implement that into every area of your life if possible. And once you get into that habit, it'll be second nature and you'll save the world. So <laughs> well, what a better payoff. <laughs> and Annalise, can you please tell us how our audience can get in touch with you, how they can watch your journey? You are so incredible to stand for this activation and we're just so grateful to have you on today sharing your ideas with us. So really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was an amazing conversation. Um, I am, you can find me on Instagram at yourcorewellness, or you can send me an email at yourcorewellness.com. Incredible. So thanks for being part of this conversation today, ladies. And I really hope whoever's listening enjoyed this conversation and got some golden nuggets out of it. We are so grateful for your support and so grateful for you being part of these chats. And we would love for you to share this episode if it inspired you or leave us a review. It really helps us grow and spread the light and love. And that's it for this week. We're really excited to have you with us next week. Until then, go forth and take some positive action towards a better future for all of us. Bye. 